the Pattern Podcast. Make left traffic, clear for the option. Minneapolis departure, Archer 641, Charlie, Charlie, 2000, climbing 3000. Line up and wait, 7 range, more my Delta. Mark Tower, 172, Romeo Hotel, hold the code on the 133, ready to take off. I'm John. I'm Chris. I'm Brad. And I'm Mark. And we are the In the Pattern Podcast. Welcome to episode 41 of the In the Pattern Podcast. Uh, this is Chris. Along with me tonight, we've got uh, John and Mark. Uh, Brad, unfortunately, is not able to be with us tonight. But we do have a uh, a guest with us tonight. Uh, my buddy Franz is here with us. Hey, Franz. How you doing? Good, good. Uh, Franz is going to talk uh, about the uh, Mooney purchase and everything, and kind of just give everybody, especially those first time buyers out there, an idea of uh, the process that he's went through. So we're glad to have him uh, on the team tonight in the uh, virtual hangar. Brad's not here, like I said, unfortunately, which is kind of a bummer because Brad's got. Uh, some uh, Mooney time, obviously, recently that uh, him and Franz could uh, talk about. But uh, Mark's had a flight, so we get to talk about that. Uh, unfortunately, John hasn't been back up. And other than me going flying with Franz, I haven't got behind the yoke myself. So without further ado, I say let's get into it. How about you guys? Let's do it. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. So, Franz, you've been looking to buy a plane almost ever since I met you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> We've uh we've been um friends for a couple of years now and uh and what's funny is we both have about the same amount of time on our ticket, don't we? Yeah, I think so. About 140 hours, something like that. Yeah. When um you got your you got your uh your ticket, you you um trained out of Glendale, is that right? Right. Yeah, Arizona uh, Flight Academy or Arizona Aviation Academy, I believe it was called. Okay. Good experience. And when did uh, when did you get your license? Uh, let's see. It would have been. I think my check ride was September October of 2011. Yeah, has yeah. almost exactly with me, mm-hmm. which is funny. So um, I uh, I work with uh, Franz's wife um, at uh, at the church, and um, you know I just talking with her. And then she, she told me you know Franz is a pilot. I was like, no way, you know. So. You know, ever since then, we've pretty much hooked up and, as you guys know, done a lot of flights together. So um, so you've been hunting for planes for a while now. And uh, kind of, if you could like kind of start back in the beginning for us a little bit and tell us, like, what your idea was, what your mission was that you thought you wanted to accomplish with the plane, and then how you ended up with what you got now. Well, I think I blame uh, most of it on my dad. He had a, he had a Mooney M20E Chaparral back in the late 60s, or no, I'm sorry, it was a late 60s model that he had in the late 70s. And uh, I used to fly around with, with him in my car seat in the back of that thing. He'd, <laughs> he'd put me in there. And uh, and he had that plane for several years, and then, uh, then he moved on with, he didn't find himself flying it as much, but I think that was what planted the Mooney bug for me back then, and I'm addicted to speed as it is, so <laughs> I wanted something that was a little bit faster, and uh, and uh, the Mooney definitely fit that bill, so I think that was the big thing, and, and, and it's funny, though, because Mooney isn't, I didn't just solely look at Mooney's, I, I really, as I, once I got my certificate, um, 
you know, we all fly 172s and, and things, and that it's a great a great aircraft. But I, I just wanted something that I could use for work. I do some regional travel for work, and I wanted something that I could fly around, just like our um, Sierra Vista flight that we did, yeah. uh, you know, last month. You know, that kind of stuff comes up from time to time, and it's nice to be able to jump in something and, and go a little bit faster and, and actually get there. And yeah. Um, beginning of June, I've got a meeting in uh, northern Texas, and rather than fly commercial into Dallas and then rent a car and drive 130 miles north of there, mm-hmm. you know, the Mooney's a perfect plane to be able to jump in and, and go straight out of Glendale and boom, in four hours, I'm there. Yeah. So it really, I, I needed it to serve a, a purpose for me. And so the mission for me was really to find something that, that, uh, you know, could get some more for regional travel, obviously be economical enough. If I want to just fly around and sightsee it, it's still able to do that. Um, and so I really started, I think, narrowing it down. Um, I started looking at a lot of, uh, the Piper arrows Yeah. and, but Mooney is really what I had my heart set on. Um, I know Initially, you, you, you looked at that. I remember you saw that arrow yeah. and it was over at uh, locally here at um, Scottsdale when you went and took a look at it. It was. And, you know, that was that was a good enough deal. At least I thought it was. <laughs> and, uh, and and that was a good enough deal that I started moving forward on that and uh, went so far as to have a pre buy inspection done. And, you know, I'd say about. $500 or so into that pre-buy inspection, we, we were up to over $15,000 of things that would need to pretty much be immediately done. And, uh, you know, that one of the gentlemen uh, at the flight school that, that I learned through, you know, he, he didn't think the plane was nearly as bad, <laughs> but I, you know, coming from a paranoid first time aircraft owner, you know, I, I wanted everything to be absolutely perfect as you would expect. And, and so for me, it was, it, it, it kind of wasn't, I wasn't willing to really settle for a whole lot. Um, so I, I eventually I kicked that one off and, and, you know, had a couple other ones that I looked at. I stopped in Amarillo, Texas and looked at one, uh, back in, let's see, would have been first week of January. What was that plane? That was a 201J. Uh-huh. Right. Which is, and the 201J is really what I had my heart set on the most. Mm-hmm. Um, your min- your minimum was what? Was it an E or? Yeah, the the M twenty E or the M twenty F. The F, you know, I, I kind of like that because the little bit longer fuselage. I, I've got three kids, and of course, it's not a five place, um, so I can't put all three in. But most of the time, it's not going to be that level of travel anyway. It'll just be you know me and a couple of them or, or yeah. something. So I you know I, I knew a four place would be fine and. You know, obviously can't. Uh, you know, trying to get into a bonanza or something's a whole different, <laughs> whole different chunk to, to bite off. But um, so then the 201J is really what I kind of landed on. But the the pricing on some of the 201Js was just out of my reach. And I found a really nice M20E that I also went and and uh, uh, had negotiations with the guy on. But we were so far apart geographically. He was all the way up in Vermont and oh yeah was. Um, a little bit concerned with wanting me to have the plane inspected, which I thought was a little bit strange. Yeah. Uh, so what, wouldn't that be a standard, you know? Yeah, you'd think it would be. Um, and then I found a 201J in Amarillo, Texas, that um, that really seemed like a nice fit. I went and looked at it, and you know the paint was really pretty on it, but it, it had a whole laundry list of things that I would have to do to it, and and so I, I kind of got bummed out for a while. You probably remember we emailed back and forth, and. I, uh, 
I don't know if I sent you a, a 747 or a TBM 850, just jokingly, <laughs> right. those days, just thinking, you know what, I'm, forget it, we're just going to go get one of these and be done with it. But, um, so it, it was, it was a long, drawn-out process, and, you know, from the time I think I got serious about buying something to the time that I actually sent the guy a, the payment, I mean, it was over a year, and, and probably three airplanes that I seriously looked at, but... Mm-hmm. Um, what's just, some, what's some advice you can, you can give someone who's just starting to look at a plane? Like some of the things that you're like, you should always do this. So pre-buy inspection for sure. Yeah. The, the pre, you know, I, I, between the, uh, the arrow four that I had a pre-buy on the, the side trip, I, well, I actually uh, forgot about another one too. Mm-hmm. There was another M 20 E that we flew the, um, Oh, uh, yeah. Twin over to San Diego to look at. That's right. And so, you know, you start adding up what you spent on pre-buys. And, and, <laughs> but at the same time, I think it's money well spent. Um, if, you learn you know, something every time. You absolutely do. And, and for me, I have to pay a lot of stupid tax in life sometimes <laughs> to learn stuff. And so I think it was money well spent and, and time well spent. Um, you know, every, everyone you look at, there are going to be different things you learn about either that type or... Um, hey, you know, I've heard this about the the prop on this, this you know, reoccurring oh, yeah. prop AD. I mean, just right. little things along the way mm-hmm. that you learn and, you know, going and sitting in them and realizing, well, you know, the E would be fine for me or for me and somebody else. But, you know, the E might be a little bit tight if we wanted to put a couple adults in the back. So then that puts you into a, an F or a J model or the K, which is what I ended up with. Um, so, yeah, you do. And, and I think I think you you have to to go through the pre buy process and, unless your dad or somebody's a you know yeah, an and I mm-hmm. and then you know obviously they're doing that for you but I yeah, I would encourage anybody to to go through that even if you know even if you get tired of it and sick of it after a year like I did it's, it's eventually you'll find what you're looking for and right. um, but you got to know that it's, everything is sound with it for sure. Well, Franz does a lot of business um, um, through eBay with his automobile business. And, uh, so, and eventually that's even where you ended up getting this, this plane from and where you looked at, looked at a lot of other planes, whereas a lot of other people are looking solely on controller and barnstormer and whatever, you know, you're real comfortable with Mm -hmm. eBay. And I don't think, and I think that's where you can find some deals because a lot of people aren't. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I think a lot of times, um, people get in the mindset if that they're going to put something on eBay they are probably ready to cut it loose if it gets to that point um, where mine, I actually, uh, I believe it was a, um, it, it came down to the wire. Some, like some eBay formats, for instance, when we list vehicles on there uh, for my business, it's, we do a kind of a fixed price or a fixed price buyer send offer kind of thing. Whereas uh, this particular plane I ended up with, it was a, a M20K 231. Um, it was a bidding scenario and, and, uh, I just came down to the wire and yeah. did a bid at the last, you know, I think I actually used e-snipe and yeah. plunked a bid in there at the last second and beat somebody out. So that was exciting. But, and, 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 and the guy that you beat out, <laughs> the guy that I beat out, tried to go in and, and buy the thing out from under me. And <laughs> he contacted uh, the owner after Franz already won it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so, you know, but that was just the the starting point. And I knew, you know, eBay is a lot of people like to put on there. And one of the things I think people get threatened about with eBay is 
especially if it's a bid format Mm -hmm. that they think, oh, my gosh, you know, I've got 2.3 more seconds to decide if I want to, you know, spend this much money or not. And they get freaked out. And so they just they don't end up putting in a bid. Well, eBay and and most sellers, especially on aircraft, they're going to be reasonable enough that if you win the item, you know, they fully are going to expect you that you're going to come take a look at it and or have a, a pre-buy inspection done. I mean, that's just, yeah. especially on an aircraft, it's just a safety issue. Right. So most of the sellers, I think, are reasonable in that respect. Because you did um, get through a partial purchase of one and then said, look, this just ain't going to work out, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, after, sure. an, after and that was through eBay too, right? Uh, the, the, on the Aero 4, that was not, oh. that was a local. No, well, no, no, wait, I'm sorry, you're right. That one was, it, the reason I forgot it was eBay is because it was right here at Scottsdale. That's yeah. why I forgot about it. But yeah, you're right. That was through eBay. Mm-hmm. But and, uh, after going through it with the guy, you're like, look, you know. No, for this amount of money, I'm going to have to put this much more into it. And right. this really isn't how it was advertised or what you know, it looked like. You know what's funny about the Aero 4 is after I passed on the airplane, he took the squawk list that basically I oh, paid for. Yeah. He went and spent about $3,000 on the plane and then ended up selling it for 8000 more than than what. You made him some more money. Yeah. So he, your he came out ahead on that. And I, <laughs> my pickiness, I, I guess, I just didn't end up with it. But that's fine because I ended up with what I, right. what I did want. So. Were you going to say something, John? I think I cut you off. Uh, no, I mean, I, I'm glad you brought up the eBay thing because that's been, um, you know, something – I've always been curious about, especially, uh, I see a lot of people buy cars on there, but, uh, you know, I always see airplanes and I'm like, man, I, I just don't know if I could buy an airplane on eBay without seeing it, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, so it's good to know that a lot of people will actually, you know, expect that and work with you. And it's not just a bid and then you're stuck with whatever you bid on and it, even if it turns out to be, you know, not what you thought. Well, and, and John, I think, uh, one of the other things, I think eBay might even be more of a generational thing too. I mean, uh, a, a younger a younger buyer is maybe already an eBay member, and they might be on there, you know, shopping everything else from headsets to airplanes to you know replacement toilet paper for the house. I mean, you can get everything on there, and so you know, I I just kind of gravitate to eBay because of, like I said, through my own business, but also just stuff I buy around the house. So. But like my dad, for instance, you know, he's in his mid 60s. He's not necessarily going to gravitate toward eBay. Matter of fact, it's probably, you know, something that he doesn't think about all that much. Um, And so I I think that, you know, uh, age wise, I think that plays into it also. That's actually kind of funny you mentioned that because uh, my uh, mother in law's boyfriend, actually, he does all his classic cars and stuff. He does them online through eBay all the time. And, uh, you know, me, I'm 26 and I a little wary about buying something that big on eBay. So it's kind of, uh, <laughs> that's kind of, interesting. I mean, I, I, it makes sense. Um, but, uh, that's just, uh, interesting. <laughs> well, when, when eBay, when I first started out doing eBay stuff, this was probably 15 years ago, I got burned, uh, it's funny. I bought a, a really nice pair of speakers from a guy in Florida and the speakers showed up. So I got what I paid for, but one of the speakers, uh, didn't end up working and I sent it back and I never heard from the guy again. So that, that, you know, cost mm-hmm. me some stupid tax to go out and buy another whole speaker after I didn't hear from him. But the earlier days at eBay, they didn't have nearly the protection that they do now. And now, I mean, with paying through, you know, a deposit through PayPal or whatever, 
you really are, are covered on a lot of the stuff uh, that's on there. So I, I hate to turn this into an eBay commercial here. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, the Porsche that you went down and got in Sierra Vista, you got that off eBay? Uh, that was a Craigslist. Oh, that was Craigslist. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, Craigslist. I I don't know. I didn't didn't shop for any airplanes. No, Craigslist. there's not that many on there. Once in a while, <laughs> once in a while, I find them. So um, so you 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 uh you negotiate the price on the uh on the Mooney, and um the guy the guy agrees to it. And uh, this is up in Billings, Montana. They've got like two million feet of snow. Right. No way to go see the plane. Walk us through the beginning of that. Yeah, that was a little that was a little disappointing. I, I would have liked to maybe gone up there and seen it, but um, the plane wasn't actually at Billings International. And when I say Billings International, I'm, <laughs> I, I take that lightly because it's, it's Montana. That, that just means they can come in from Canada. And <laughs> but no, um, so the plane was at a, a little field um, called Laurel, which was nearby and uh, more of a rural area and uh, I, I guess that the hangar had like two or three feet of snow in front of it they couldn't even like hardly open the door or anything so so yeah there was some time that passed from the time that we could even get in to do the pre-buy and uh which was fine you know i was i was trying to be flexible and, and work with them on stuff but so anyway that this whatever time period passed and um I mean, it was nice because he he was the seller was pretty laid back and and he and that's not always the case, mm -hmm. uh, of course. But yeah, I was mainly and, dealing with his mechanic because the seller itself wasn't the the pilot wasn't a pilot. Even. Yeah, he wasn't a pilot. Uh, you make a long story short. Yeah. He basically ended up with his plane. His partner in the business who was a pilot bought it. They were going back and forth from Montana to North Dakota quite a bit. And so he bought this plane to thinking it would be better. Well, that deal fizzled out between those two, and he ended up with a plane he didn't really want. <laughs> and he was doing flight training. Which is good if you want to buy a plane from a guy who doesn't want a plane. Exactly. <laughs> That's the best kind of, yeah, the best kind of seller to buy from is a guy who doesn't want one. <laughs> and he probably doesn't understand a lot about it either, too, right? So. No, he, you know, he was actually doing some flight training. Oh, that's cool, actually. Uh, but and, and that was kind of the idea. But his friends were all like, "You're, you know, you're nuts trying to learn in a turbo Mooney." And yeah. I think it was just more than he. Yeah. Than he kind of. His partner's like, "Yeah, I can fly this, <laughs> and you can get training in this. Yeah, exactly. a great first plane to start out." Huh? Yeah, that sounds a little crazy. <laughs> So yeah, and so, he, so he ends up selling it, and uh, we we get everything worked out through eBay and um, for the price and all that, of course, because I bid on it. And then you know I tell him I want to have the thing inspected, just not not a full annual or anything, but just to make sure that you know if we're gonna buy the thing, we're gonna get back to Phoenix in it. <laughs> and uh, so we did. We we got the inspection process, and the inspection uncovered a few things, and. And uh, he agreed to basically, yeah, kind of renegotiate the deal a little bit. And so we ended up having it up there, and, and I did several repairs at uh, Billings um, over the course of, I'd say, a month or six weeks probably passed. And they got that stuff done, and then at that point we went up and, and picked it up and brought it back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tell them how that – because I mentioned that um, the compression issue, and then it worked oh, itself yeah. out. Um, might be some good a good tip for people who might see that with that same situation. Yeah, and you know, I wish I I could speak more intelligently on the technical end of what I'm about to say, but 
from my limited understanding, I, the planes did a lot of sitting around, which is never good. And so I guess oil ended up on, on the tops of some of the cylinders. Well, they pulled the thing out, and, of course, it was freezing cold up there, and the plane had sat since, oh gosh, probably July or August since it had, I think, even been run. So they basically pulled this thing out of the hangar and try to get it a little bit warmed up and do a compression test on it. Because um, the initial idea was that the pre-buy inspection, I had the guy from Billings come out to the airport at Laurel and do a pre-buy, as, as much pre-buy as he could, mm-hmm. uh, right there at the smaller airport. So he came out, they they fired it up, and that's when they uncovered what they thought was a problem with the cylinder, because it was reading uh, 22, and the rest of them were in the 70s, for the most part. Um and so that was what kind of got us going on renegotiating the deal. Yeah. Well, the guy who ends up fast forward to um, him flying it over to Billings to do the rest of the, you know, the inspection on it. And the guy picks it up and I, I'd read something, I think it was on Mooney space, uh, the Mooney forum about how these, you know, you get the things nice and warm and go fly it a little bit and, and redo the compression test and things can change. So I just mentioned that to him and I just said, and I said, I'm not telling you how to do your job, but if you wouldn't mind, <laughs> have your ferry pilot pick this thing up from Laurel and go put an hour and a half or two hours or whatever on it before he lands at Billings. So, okay, sure. And they did it. And uh, sure enough, uh, when they retested it, I think it came in at 68 or 70. Mm-hmm. So it, it it did make a difference, and I'm I'm glad we ended up doing yeah. that. Yeah, that would that saved a jug or a cylinder head or something. Yeah. Who yeah, knows? For sure. Yeah, but might have been replacing that for nothing, you know. Right. Yeah. So now you can put that money somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think I already have. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Funny how that works. So um. So they they spend some time and uh, go through the squawk list of what it needs to to uh, get fixed on it to make sure it's a safe plane for mm-hmm. for you to come up and get it. And so um, uh, you fly up there and um, what's his name? Um, Lucas. Lucas, yeah. Yeah. Lucas Lucas flies up there and meets you and uh, and then so now Lucas needs to get checked out in it so he's allowed to fly it. Yeah, it's funny. Lucas has. He flies for uh, Empire FedEx, and and uh, you know, here's a, a kid, and you know, Lucas is what, twenty four, twenty five. Yeah, with three four thousand hours, like thirty two hundred hours. He's got an ATP, a seaplane, tail dragger, multi commercial CFW. I mean, just <laughs> you know, he's forgotten more about flying than I'll probably ever know. And uh, and the insurance company didn't want him training on a Mooney because he didn't have Mooney time. Yeah. You know, that's, that's understandable. I, I can certainly appreciate why they would want that. And, and, uh, so yeah, he had to get checked out in it ahead of time. And, uh, and he went up for a couple of hours, I think, or an hour and a half and, and got that done. And so then he could fly me back in it and teach me some things along the way. Yeah. That's cool. So, uh, so you get in it to, to come back to Phoenix and from, from the get go and you're, you're in the left seat, huh? Yeah, he, I I thought I'm like okay. So do you want to uh, sit in the left seat here? And nope, jump in it. And I said, oh my gosh, well, here we go. <laughs> so that was a little bit intimidating at first, uh, not ever having you know manipulated a constant speed prop or anything before, and reading all these horror stories about not over boosting this engine, uh, which um, whole another conversation. But a lot of the stuff I read 
guys would put these Merlin automatic wastegate controllers on these planes. And it seemed like the ones when I started, you know, really focusing on 201s and 231s, um, cross shopping the 231 market a lot. Uh, once I found this plane, it man, tons of guys had these weight automatic wastegate controllers. I it seemed what seemed like well over 50% of the planes already hmm. had that installed. So, wow. I got on Merlin's website, and of course, you know they they want you to buy one, so they had all the positive things to say. <laughs> but, but all of it made perfect sense, and so uh, fortunately for me, uh, Lucas, they're with a flight school. They own two Turbo Senecas that basically have the same engine. So he's and, very familiar yeah. with this engine and the and the delicacy of it, and so forth. Yeah. So he was telling me, you know, hey, listen, you really don't need to go 2,700 RPMs at, you know, 40 inches of manifold pressure to get the thing down the runway. It'll do just fine without that. And then he's right. I mean, it's, um, you know, when we were coming out of Sedona the other day, I mean, there were three of three 200 pounders in there and Hey, Hey, I'm only a buck 75. Oh, Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but we're, but we're at 5,500 feet and it didn't know the difference. No, it, it nice. really that's been and i think that's what really uh when i saw that 231 what really i guess took me over the top for the turbo is just being out west and with the altitudes that we have to leave out of it is nice to have that Mm -hmm. you know even with the three adults in the plane and what what's billings montana at or or where was it up there I, were you know, at I were you at remember. some altitude there too? Yeah, we were a little bit altitude. I, Not I much, maybe three thousand or something. But yeah, it might have been something like mm-hmm. that. So, so you took off and right away, you know, you're pilot in command. So, how long did that very first uh, run through the checklist and run up take you from? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I felt like it was my first training flight ever, and you know, I sat in there trying to mull over this list and. You know, Lucas, just, he's funny because he flies all this stuff all the time. And he kind of comes from an mm-hmm. entire aviation family in Alaska, right. and everything's way more laid back. So his idea of a checklist is, you know, doing it on the fly as he taxis kind of thing. With me, you know, I'm sure the first one took me an hour and a half. <laughs> just trying to get used to it. But yeah. no, we jumped in and and uh, left right out of Billings, and, and I'll never forget is, I mean, leaving out of there, and I think we were at 38 inches or something, and and that thing just looking down, looking down at the VSI, and it was well over a 1,000 feet a minute, and just, you know, that's, yeah. that's new to me. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah it, was, it was a neat experience. And then we, uh, we went to Montrose, Colorado for the first leg, and I think it was just over three hours, three one or something like that. Yeah, I was I was I was following them on uh, FlightAware on the way on the way from uh, uh, Billings to Montrose, Colorado, and I was I was watching them do 170 some knots to close to 180 knots uh, for a good portion of the time. They they were cooking. That's just a ridiculous speed. <laughs> it's nice to have. Yeah, yeah, it was exciting. It was exciting. So that first landing coming into uh, Montrose, oh, I, I had to hand that one right over. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't about to tackle that. I, 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 I was so uh, just overwhelmed descending into that pattern at the speed that we were doing. It was just a totally new experience, and uh, you know, trying to do a traffic pattern and you know go through gumps and you know remember all the stuff and. It, it was it was just I'm, I finally just said you know why don't you just take them here and I, I think we came over and we came over the 
the first landing, we came over it pretty hot. I think we were doing a hundred knots or something. Like this. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was just way fast forward for me. Floated uh, down most of the yeah, runway. Yeah. Yeah. So that was yeah. But the the next one after that, we landed in Glendale, and and uh, he had me do you know as much as that as I felt comfortable with, and it was it was immediately better just yeah. just doing that. A familiar airport. Sure. So you're a little that helps. More used to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the first trip back was uneventful, unfortunately. How many hours was that trip back for you? Uh, it was around five and a half, I want to say. Five. We actually, I think it was more like five point eight. We did a we did a little bit of a detour. I wanted to go through Monument Valley. Oh yeah. So we we kind of detoured a little bit to the west as the sun was coming down a little bit, and I I knew it'd be some great photos, yeah. and and they did turn out cool. Nice. Yeah, I want to get up there. Yeah, you had a you had a nice trip back. So since then, so. So since then, um, you've been going out and hitting it as as often as as you can find Lucas there. Yeah, you know, <laughs> pretty much. Because you got to get these hours before you make that trip um, in July. Or yeah, is it July or June. It's June, June first and oh 2nd. my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's I'm two weeks away and I still need to get seven point two hours. So I've got what's uh, you know what eight, roughly 17. 17 and a half hours right now, and uh, I'd say the first the first flight that it really uh clicked where i didn't feel behind the airplane was probably two flights ago i felt like you know what if i were in this thing by myself i'd be fine i might not have the smoothest landings Mm -hmm. but you know i i could descent plan and and i could you know i felt like i was in front of the plane which i think is the biggest thing to get used to Mm -hmm. uh switch into a complex that goes a little faster yeah yeah and you know i um i noticed like so the flaps on the mooney they're they're real long, mm-hmm. but they're skinny. There yeah. just isn't really much there to get out in the wind. No, they're like they must be eight feet wide, <laughs> but they're only about ten inches deep or whatever. Yeah, so, there's not much there, and there's there's really no there's hardly any gap whatsoever. And and yeah. Lucas thinks that there are some speed mods that are on the plane, and and I know a lot of them have, and I'm embarrassed to say that I don't know that what has been on there and what isn't but i i know that uh he's he thinks that there's some stuff that was put on mm. after the fact but none of that was disclosed in the ad mm-hmm. um so i don't know yeah that, that guy wouldn't know yeah, a speed he, mod from a speed break so <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah that's right which is another thing that you might want to add sometime yeah <laughs> that would be nice to have for sure so no, I, but yeah, so I, you know, I think I would agree with the insurance company. I think the 25 hour, you know, requirement that they want, I think by the time I get that extra 7.2, I think I'll feel, I'll feel yeah. right at home in it. Yeah. So I went with uh, Franz for the first time in the plane on Saturday. Um, he was going to go up with Lucas and do a training flight. And we, uh, we flew from Glendale and, and did a uh, touch and go in Sedona and then one in, one in Flagstaff, one in Prescott, one in, and then we landed at uh, um, Wickenburg for fuel and then went back to uh, Glendale because fuel's a little cheaper over there in Wickenburg. That's but right. we did that whole thing and, and well, we only put 2.2 hours on the plane, but, yeah. but if we were in the 172, that was that would might be a 3.5 hour flight somewhere around there i don't i know we were in sedona in 30 minutes and that's normally 50 minute flight in the 172 yeah we were cruising pretty good yeah you guys aren't helping me any (laughs) 
<laughs> it eats fuel like a monster on that climb out, but once you get it uh, trimmed out and you're level, it's very economical, huh? Yeah, I think uh, on the climb out, we're we're well into the you know low to mid twenties, depending on what you're trying to push. But uh, once you get up top and you start uh, trimming the thing back, and and uh, I think our seventy five percent power, if I remember correctly. Uh, I want to say we're at uh, 2,500 RPM and like, uh, what was it, 30 inches? and a half 30, inches, okay. something like that. And I think the power setting for that is at like 13.3 or 13.5 gallons an hour, and economy is at like 11.5 to 11.8. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can you can but we're you can but you're doing that. But you're doing 185 miles an hour, somewhere around there, 190 miles an hour. Yeah, I think if we, I, I think to maintain the kind of speed that, well, I, can't, I can't remember what we were doing coming in. I know coming into Sedona, I think it was when we were 175, 180. And I can't remember if we were pushing it up there because we had a, we were I trying kept, out a I bunch kept, of different settings. I kept looking over your shoulders and stuff, trying to look at the, the gauges. And I never saw you really go past 30 inches and you were okay. about 25, 2600 RPM most of the time. Okay, so yeah, so then we were right at about 75% then, yeah. So yeah, I mean it's it that's the that's the great part of about it, and and I think um, one of the other planes that uh, I rotated over to uh, before I landed oh. the final decision on the Mooney was there was a, a Rockwell Commander 114 that I I checked out and um, and I really liked that in terms of size. Um, I mean, in the inside of that thing, yeah, it's, it's like huge. Oh, it's enormous. It's got a center console like a car, <laughs> you know, incredibly nice looking. Um, but I just, I couldn't get over the fuel burn for, you know, the going speed. 20 or 30 knots slower. Yeah. And everybody says, well, you know, 20, 20 knots, you know, you, it only adds however many minutes to your regional trip and it, but I don't know. I'm, I've been a speed junkie my whole life, so I guess <laughs> I'm short-sighted when it comes to that. Yeah. But. Next time we go to Sierra Vista to pick up a Porsche, and I'm and I got the Mooney, I'm gonna wax you so bad. It's <laughs> yes, not even gonna be funny. I think you will. It's not I'll actually give, gonna be a race this time. <laughs> I give you a 45-minute head start instead of a half hour. <laughs> now we gotta we gotta clear something up on this Mooney race. Yeah. Because I know because. I thought it was a door-to-door race. Oh, is that right? And you were you yeah were you, airport to airport. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You know what I. I don't know if I told you the whole thing. So, um, so they gave me that gate code, uh-huh. and so I went to the gate to get in, and I couldn't get in, and my phone's about ready to die, right? <laughs> and I'm like going, I know they told me that the gate code was the VOR of the airport. So, and they told me what the code was. I wrote it down. It wasn't working. Then I go online. What is the VOR of the airport? Nope, that's <laughs> the number, and I can't get in the stupid gate. Well, I'm like, dang it. Because I figured those guys were gone because they were acting like they were going to leave. Right. Well, they weren't. They were still there, but it was the code for the side door, not the gate to get onto the the, the, the airport property. So I went in and sure enough. So I spent like 10, 15 minutes there. Then the wind is like. Oh, it was ridiculous that day. Yeah. <laughs> so I spent like 25 minutes inside the plane, right, pre- prepping and getting ready. You know what I did? I actually went online on my phone and reread how to taxi with a quartering tailwind. Is that right? Because I was afraid this thing was going to spin this plane around as hard as as it was howling around so oh, bad. Yeah. So by the time I took off, you were almost to uh, almost to Tucson. Yeah, I was cooking it too. I was determined to at least <laughs> not get totally embarrassed on the way back. So. That was fun though. Diving away, Chris. Diving away. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> right up right up until I bounced it so bad I, I thought I might have sheared the uh the wheel pants off of that plane and, and then and then Al goes, Well that was an interesting landing. I was like, You saw that? He watched me come in and just bounce his plane down the runway. I was so embarrassed. Worst worst landing I can say I've ever, ever had in my life. It was bad. Wow, that's saying a lot. <laughs> coming from coming from how I know training must have been. No. My I, I'm just saying I I I'll I'll just say it, I typically land pretty good. I've never I've never triple bounced a plane ever until that day. But uh anyway, so um you're uh you're coming up on your twenty five hours. I'm uh I'm looking forward to uh getting a flight here pretty soon. Um probably probably won't be until after your trip, after you get back. Because yeah, and I know it goes in for annual in July, and I'm expecting that's going to be a pretty hefty annual. And I, I just really, they didn't, when they did the pre-buy, it ended up being, you know, 20-some hours worth of stuff they ended up doing to it, but they didn't turn it into a full annual. So mm-hmm. I fully expect that they're going to be, you know, the laundry list of stuff. And, and I kind of budgeted for it and, and planned for it ahead of time because, uh, you know, they're, as my wife uh, likes to say, it's it's not exactly the best time to be shopping for a deal <laughs> when it comes to the safety end of things. And I've got young kids who who really uh, my my daughters they they can get a little queasy up there, but my son, I mean, he can't, he can't get enough of jumping in the back of the plane. So you know, I'm going to have the kids in it. And uh, not to say that I don't want it safe just for me, but yeah, you, you do think extra hard about it when when the kids and family or in the plane and sure so all that to say the, the first annual I, i'm sure will be pretty eventful and and uh but that'll be in july and then the first week of august or whatever so it should be wrapped up so, then and then dive into it so we've got we've got a porsche for sale that franz would be glad to give you a great deal on if you're interested in a cabriolet porsche you know because he right. he needs to get this annual done and... <laughs> so so i for got sure. i got two problems with that well, I, one's a question, one's a problem. The, the problem is, is that the end of July, beginning of August is Oshkosh. Yeah. And that, that's unacceptable. You, you need to go to Oshkosh with that thing. That's, that's on next year's bucket list, yeah, I think. Is, that is next year's. And I'll be at Oshkosh, but it'll probably be it'll probably be uh, riding with my with my old man from Chicago in a car. I'm driving uh. up there. It has been the last few years. We've been, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Chris. Next year. That needs to happen. So we can all fly up together, right? Absolutely. <laughs> we'll put you guys up in the Cardinal, and then you'll just smoke me on the way up. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, John wants to get a Cardinal really bad, him and his buddy. I look at those two. Those are cool. Mm-hmm. They're cool. I mean, for, for an upgrade, you know, having learned everything in a 172, and it's economical, it's going to be a good plane to, to get my IFR and just kind of just, you know, get a bunch of hours, split it with a friend of mine, and um, I think it'll be good, so. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So so my other question, though, is is the uh, the annuals. What what you know, is the normal, and obviously the first one isn't going to be normal. What's the normal, um, you know, going rate for an annual on a, on a Mooney? Cause I know the Cardinal's I, about, you know, it's generally never more than a grand. So. Okay. Is that Cardinal on RG? No. no. Okay. That's no. why I'm curious too, is cause it's, it's complex or, you know, I, I want to say that the, typically the, the, the shops that I've asked about it, they typically have a base rate of somewhere in the 20 to 25 hours range. And then, of course, their shop rates are going to be anywhere from 70 to 
to eighty, eighty-five dollars an hour, depending on which shop you ask about. But I, I think that's usually the starting point. You know, a couple thousand bucks somewhere around in there, and then of course, you know, whatever they find Squawks. in there. And, mm-hmm. and and I'll tell you the other thing that's been really interesting to learn is is the various in my limited knowledge of of working with shops so far, but I've dealt with about three different places so far, and their varying degrees of what concerns them and, and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's pretty wide, depending on if you use a guy who might be an independent technician, so to speak, versus a big company like the one I used up in Billings, Edwards Jet Center, uh, was who I used there. And, you know, they provided me with a very, very thorough list of of everything and, and then the avionics shop that they kind of farmed out the ifr checkout mm-hmm. um you know i got a, a whole page back of little th- everything from you know this not working to this you know literally i think the the audio panel was was at a slight angle in the <laughs> panel and they you know they mounted that and you know i can't fault them for that even though what some might look at that and say that's ridiculous you know coming from my industry where people do inspections on you know high dollar cars the companies doing these inspections they have to cover themselves from a liability standpoint so they're they're going to mark all this stuff if they're a i think a reputable shop they're going to mark it um but so getting back to the annual i i think it's just depending on you know if you're going for a big company uh, they're they're probably going to have more more standards related to their own liability and just making sure they cover their bases. Um, but some of that stuff might not necessarily need to be done immediately, but they're probably going to write it on there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so, and with this plane, so it's obviously it's complex, it's high performance, we've got a turbo, It's there's a lot of things to check, that's for sure. Um. So that that's uh, you have till the end of July or begin or uh, the end of August to start that. I think the annual was a July annual. So, so you have till the end of you have July thirty first. So you have till July thirty first, <laughs> and then as long as they sign it off on August first, that's that's okay by me. No, no, you you do it at the end every time. That way you get right. another month out of it Absolutely. every time, right? Yeah. So you that, always that, do an annual every thirteen months. <laughs> exactly. Yep. That's that's exactly right. So yeah, that I think at the end of July is when it's got to go in. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, we've got uh, a cruise that's going to happen in uh, in June, and I'm going out of town again the July Fourth weekend and stuff. So and then the end of July. So yeah, I am. I'm not. I, there's. I just. I don't know. You keep hammering uh, me. Of on. course, I'm going to. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I want to go to Oshkosh again, I don't know. Vacation time is uh, is limited when you take like I'm taking like ten days of it just for this uh, this. Uh, um, Alaskan yeah, crew. Yeah, yeah, Priorities. You better be yeah. flying, at least if you go to Alaska. <laughs> you know, I've been thinking about maybe seeing if I can get do a seaplane flight like uh, like Neil just did when yeah. he was in Seattle. But do it actually in Alaska. That'd be cool. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can find find somewhere that I might be able to go do just an hour in a seaplane real quick. Have, I'll definitely bring my uh, my book, my 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 uh, log book with me just in case I can make that happen. Yeah, definitely. So, so, um, you know, from somebody who's realistically, my next purchase is probably going to be an airplane. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not there yet, but I'm starting to look at things and starting to kind of go down that path. So, 
Um, you know, one of the things that, from everything I've seen looking at, at you know, buying airplanes and all that stuff, obviously, you, you know, you've mentioned it, and the, the pre-buy inspection is one of the things that you have to calculate into that purchase price. But what other, are there any other hidden costs or any other things that kind of popped up that, you know, kind of got rolled into the, you know, the total upfront cost for getting the airplane? Well, I, I, you know, you've got the minor stuff of, for some reason, every airplane I looked at, with the exception of that Aero 4 that happened to be right here in, over at SDL, every every airplane I looked at was like, you know, Billings or Amarillo, Texas, or the, the M20E was out in Vermont. So, you know, there's going to be probably some travel expenses. If um, My thing was I wanted to have someone else look at it because I, I had all these people telling me, you're crazy. Why don't you go look at the thing first before you decide to buy it? And I guess that comes from my, you know, my own yeah. workings with eBay. I'm so used to dealing 80% of my clients are out of state over the internet mm-hmm. and, and half of them I never meet. We just shipped a, a $73,000 uh, Porsche C4S to a buyer in Ohio last week. Who I never met the guy. He never came out. But, you know, the car was perfect. And, and hopefully, if it's an eBay kind of thing, you, you see the feedback that people have on there and you can see what kind of reputation they have. But my thing was, because the, the gentleman in Vermont that I was talking to, well, I, you know, he didn't want me to go get the plane inspected. Why don't you just come out here and look at it, he kept saying. Well, you know, to me, we all do what we do for a living because that's what we our experts at and that's how we know how to make a living in in my particular case i'm not a mechanic i'm definitely not an a and p or an ia and i can go out and look at the mooney and billings but i'm not qualified to make a decision on a purchase so i i didn't want to put myself in a position of getting emotionally wrapped around an airplane that wasn't yeah sound so to me, I, I would rather have someone else look at that first. So I, I apologize. I'm not really answering your question, I guess. But, you know, I guess you got to determine how, how far are you willing to travel and, and what are you willing to, to do as you start the process? Because I think if you're like me, you know, I've got a certain budget. And, and, and my parents would call that a wine taste on a beer budget. <laughs> but, you know, I knew what I wanted. And there you know, you're, you're going to give up compromises along the way. And, um, especially if you like to go fast, like I did, you know, I, I think that's probably the reason it took me so long. Cause I had a certain budget I wanted to work with. And one of the guys that I, I was reading a review on a, another 231 online, he did a pretty good job summarizing oh. things. He basically said, you know, within any given make model of aircraft, um, but he, as he was referring to the Mooney specifically, he said, you know, if it's a real deal, it's probably a real deal for a reason. <laughs> if it's, you know, if the thing is is priced in the top of the market, but it looks really nice and, hey, it's got a Garmin 530 and, it, you know, everything is, you know, the last annual was thousands of dollars and there's no, you know, nothing. Yet there's first. no I that needs dotted, no T crossed. You're going to pay for that plane. And for me... I knew I wanted to buy basically a platform. Um, I didn't have a six-figure budget to go out and start with. Um, and a lot of the 231s that I found, if they really looked like an amazing plane where everything was done and needed yeah. nothing, 
I mean, those planes were over 100,000 all day. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and that just wasn't a budget that I had to work with. Um, but I wasn't opposed to finding something out there that didn't have a, a Garmin 430 or 530 in it. You know, it it didn't have the newest paint in, in my plane. In, in the case of my plane, it needs an interior right now. Well, you know, I'd rather buy the plane that does 180 knots than, than buy, you know, go out and buy something that wasn't fitting my mission. But that, was pretty. But was pretty. Yeah. And so... Um, that was and, the thing we kept going back and forth with, right? It was like, it was like, oh, well, this plane, it's gorgeous, great interior, good avionics, the engine's shot. Yep. Oh, the, that it, was the, the Amarillo one. Right, 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 right. right. The engine's brand new on the thing, but the thing looks like it's been sitting outside in the middle of the Phoenix Desert for 100 years, <laughs> right? It's in the bone yard. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you had to choose. You had to choose what you were willing to deal with, yeah, you know? That's right. So I... I I think one of the things, John, is like, don't go buy something at the top end of your budget and not give you any any room to make any adjustments to because you right. watch them show up. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're for, if you're particular, and, and probably even if you're not, when you get this new purchase that you're so proud of and you, you've waited two years and you've been budgeting and you just can't wait, you finally land it. I mean, when you get to your first annual, that thing is sort of your new baby. And if they provide you with a list and they say, you know, we've got $7,000 of stuff. And even if you weed out maybe a little bit of the stuff that isn't, eh, maybe it's not totally essential. You might have $5,000 of stuff at the first annual that, you know, you want to take care of your plane. You know that that's stuff you're just going to be doing to it. And so, especially when that plane gets in front of a new mechanic. Mm-hmm. They're gonna find something because <laughs> yeah. their their eyes haven't been on it. So, I've I've kind of been planning for that 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 first annual is gonna be an event and, and just kind of trying to budget along the way. And uh, but that's what I would say, John, is you know plan you know whatever your budget is for the plane, but definitely allow a lot of overage for for things that the first annual is gonna uncover. Um, you know, and, and maybe all that shows up in a pre-flight, or maybe your pre-flight, if if it's within a couple months of the annual, you just have the pre-flight be your annual. Um, you know, think, and that we looked at doing that too, but it didn't yeah. work out from the time standpoint. So, I think one of the things you also learned was, and you did you didn't ever get into the situation, I don't think, but um, um, having someone else other than the mechanic that's been working on the plane for the last several years be the person who's doing the the um um the the pre-buy inspection for you yeah yeah that's a good point and sorry i said pre-flight before i meant pre-buy you're right yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely get a different set of eyes and and um it's interesting because i i dealt with the i dealt with the mechanic for the the seller more than i dealt with the seller himself by quite a bit mm-hmm. and and he I, I didn't want him to do the pre-buy, but it was interesting because he wasn't even willing to do it even if I wanted to. And I, th- <laughs> I thought that was pretty good because from from his standpoint, you know, he was looking out for me and said, hey, you know, this, yeah. I'm a little too familiar with this. Maybe have somebody else do it. And I, I think a good shop will probably, yeah, you know, be, be wary of a seller who is only interested in having you use their guy. Right. Yeah, yeah for sure. Definitely. So I don't know if I answered your question or if I if 
but <laughs> sorry. No, no, yeah, it's uh, no, that's good stuff. I mean, it's uh, you know, there's a lot of things to think about, and it's um, good having you on here because you just recently went through it, and I'm starting to kind of gear up to to really start looking at stuff. So, you know, there's there's the the want for me, kind of the you know, get the itis of getting an airplane. Or it's like, you know, right. I want that now, but then, I, you know, you have to take that logical step back and say, well, you know, let's do it when you have the the cost to be able to and to make sure that you're not going to get into a situation where the first annual comes and you're like, well, crap. <laughs> you know, now I can't fly it because I can't get the annual done because I'm, you know, I spent all the money on the airplane and um don't have right. the three grand for the annual because it's a whole bunch of stuff. So, yeah, I, I would definitely, you know, leave plenty of room to do that because just outside of the cost of buying the plane just in what i've paid to do to it so far from the you know the pre-buy to the stuff for the the avionics to the stuff up at up in billings to the travel uh you know my paying the instructor to come down paying the guy to ferry it i mean all the various things i mean i could have rented the 172 for the next you know year and a half yeah (laughs) so you know you do have to budget for that stuff and and I guess uh, I think one of the things I I um, I didn't probably dive into enough on on our last point that that I think is really worth mentioning um, is back to this the concept of buying the platform. Um, you know, once you if 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 you've got your your mindset on a cardinal, but it doesn't have exactly everything you want but you find one that you know maybe it does need an interior or maybe it, it does the you know maybe the panel is really dated you know if, if you're really set on a cardinal you know to me that's a great way to buy a plane because you're you're buying you get to you make want. it your own yeah and you get to make it your own and you know we probably all have connections in in our own worlds of stuff for me that's anything automotive related so i've got guys who know how to do interiors and all this stuff and is as long as we buy the right materials, materials that have the certifications for, you know, burn Flame test and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, yeah, the flammability issues, you know, you can have somebody do that. And to, so, you know, that's to me where I can kind of put my own elbow grease and value into making it mine mm-hmm. uh, versus buying something that's all decked out that, you know, I, I can't afford to buy the whole chunk at once. I need to kind of do it over time. Yeah. Yeah. So... Am I missing anything, Chris? You've been involved in this process with me the whole time, so I mean, you I'll, know, it's been I, agonizing. I, I mean, at times, I'm the silent partner with no money. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't have any anymore, yeah. so somewhere even. <laughs> no, it, it really was fun. I mean, it uh, there was a lot of just endless hours of. I would text Chris and be like, if I have to spend one more minute on controller or. You know, <laughs> So he's kind of he's kind of felt the pain here all along, but it it was a fun pro. I mean, it's fun to go look at planes. I mean, we all that's why mm-hmm. we all are into this. You know, it's it's a blast. But uh, it's if I think if you're if you're particular as we all should be when we're buying something of this level and of this you know where you really have to be safety conscious conscientious. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's going to be a lengthy process. It's it's not just going out and buying a used car. I mean, you're really you got to be careful what you're looking for and, and who's selling it and what's been done to it. And there's just a million different variables that I never even knew existed until diving into it. Mm-hmm. So, so, Franz, I got a question for you. This is Mark. Um, when 
when you when you found this aircraft and you're like this is the one and you needed to get somebody to do the 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 pre-buy inspection and maybe I missed this earlier but when you did how did you find the right people or the right company to do that and and how did you how did you work all that that's that's a great question uh i as far as the area that this plane was in which was billings you know we're pretty limited up in that geographic area now if the plane would have been in you know new york new jersey or up in the midwest somewhere you know there are a plethora of different places for me i immediately was getting on like the Mooney website, the Mooney space or, or looking at Mooney's own website has their authorized, uh, oh. dealers. So, um, Mooney service center, it's called. And so I was looking to see if there was a Mooney service center anywhere around. And that would, that would probably would have been my first choice, not because they're absolutely the only best people who can touch it, but because I knew if it was a Mooney service center that they would probably, you know, been there, done that before. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't one in the immediate area, uh, so I had asked uh, not only the the mechanic who was representing the seller, um, but just getting online and looking at okay, w- what's in the area up here for airports and you know aviation, and I called Edwards. They happen to be the biggest one at Billings, and then um, I also got the same name uh, from the gentleman, the mechanic who mm-hmm. was representing the seller. And he put me in touch with Jeff up at Edwards, who was their, I guess, their team lead for piston aircraft. And and they had, I mean, they had all kinds of King Airs, and they had a jet sitting in there, and you know, a bunch of. A bu- mine was the cheapest plane in the hangar when I went up there. I mean, they had some awesome stuff, 421s, and just all kinds of neat stuff. So, they, you know, it was definitely a reputable place with and. Uh, I forget someone else I talked to said, yeah, I mean, within, you know, 500 or a thousand miles of there, they've got, you know, one of the best reputations. So I felt good about that. And then of course that led to the phone call to Jeff, their, their gentleman up there. And immediately upon speaking with him, I could tell that he was experienced and, you know, he was asking the right questions and, you know, I, I didn't even know what all questions need to be asked. And, and that was helpful too, that he could, he could kind of bring up some points and, so I, I felt comfortable with him from the beginning, and he was, you know, very fair to deal with and, and very educational along the way. So I, I think it was a good choice. But, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, trying to find places to do a, a pre-buy because back to that liability thing, what I've been told is a lot of places won't even do a pre-buy anymore. I mean, they basically want to kind of take it into an annual. Oh, because if you know what happens if you crash on the way home, I mean it's you're the first guy getting sued if you're that guy <laughs> who did the pre-buy. So okay, it's you know that you've got to find a place who's willing to do one, mm-hmm. or, or they might just take it right into an annual. Okay, so, it would suck suck to pay for somebody else's annual after you say, yeah. well, it's not going to work well. Yeah, you're exactly. Yeah. So in in this case, the, the you went through this company and you felt real good about it. What what would somebody expect to pay for that for that pre buy? Well, um, they Edwards, what they do is they they don't exactly call it a pre buy, and and what. What he did is he said basically, now, what is a what's a list of concerns that you have that you want me to check out? Well, 
you know, of course, my first reaction was, well, you're the mechanic. You're the one who's supposed to have a list of concerns. <laughs> but, but getting on, you know, any any particular web, uh, let's say you're looking at uh, Cardinals, for instance. I mean, I'm sure there's a whole forum full of guys who fly Cardinals that, that they've got a squawk list already of stuff that those planes are known to have, you know, with issues. Um so they can tell you, and the same with uh, with Mooney Space or any of those. I mean, they're Google's an amazing, uh, yeah. amazing thing. You yeah. can find how these people need. do that before the Googles. Huh? Yeah, right. I don't know. Right. So you can kind of get an idea, and, and, but it came down to me also telling them, listen, you know, you you've worked on a lot of Moonies. What are some weaknesses here? What are things that you're familiar with? And and let's and let's start by diving into this. And and that's what I did for the Arrow Four inspection too. Is hey. You know what are common areas on these that are expensive if if things happen, like resealing wing tanks, for instance. It's very, very expensive. The Mooney has the wet wings, and, um, you know, it's like, you know, five or $6,000 a side, I think. To wow. It's very, very expensive. So, so stuff like that, you know, let's look at that stuff. Why why pay for 20 hours worth of inspection if, if, if the hot buttons can be checked in the first five or six hours? Let's start with those mm-hmm. things, and then if we determine that, hey, it does have weeping, t- you know, if the tanks are weeping, if it's got, a, you know, messed up landing gear, that whatever the things are that they're most known to have problems with that are the most expensive. Hit those first. Let's start with those things, and then kind of, then we can kind of spread it out from there. So um, I ended up, I think, when it was all said and done, I think I, I had 20 some hours worth of stuff that initially that we found that I said, you know what? I want to have some of this stuff done before we leave. So, you know, we had over $4,000 of stuff before I ever went up and, and left in the plane. Um, but it, again, and, and it's not to say that couldn't have been done somewhere else maybe a little bit less you know or but you know i wanted the plane to be current on its ifr cert that had expired you know there it needed a new battery i think was one of the so there were just things things that i just said you know what stuff has to be done anyway you know i'd rather not get halfway home and you know (laughs) stop in colorado somewhere and be looking for this you know the plane's been sitting long enough i didn't want to chance it it's back to that, you know, I didn't really want the best deal at the moment. And, and not to say they were overpriced because their their labor rate up there was actually very fair compared to some of the places that I've seen. Hmm. But, you know, I I really wanted that kind of warm, fuzzy feeling that we were going to get back uh, without any issues. That was my that was my number one priority. So I, I hope that answered the question. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I appreciate that. Thanks. Sure. Well, I think we've uh, come to about the end of this. Well, this was a this was a great episode, and I'm glad you could get you can get Franz on here because I have I've had the picture of your plane on the sunset on my screen the whole time, looking at it, and just listening to you talk about it, and I can hear your passion. Um, you're going to be a happy owner for a long time, and uh, I just say congratulations on your new purchase because I think you're going to have a great time with it. Well, thanks, Mark. It's been lots of fun so far, and I, I really, really enjoyed it. So thanks for saying that. We've got a list about as long as our arms of places that uh, we've thought, where can we take this thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Because your range, I mean, it's it's a lot larger That's than it is with the 172, yeah. so. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, we're like Catalina Island now, you know? Yeah, What's that, two and a half hours from here? <laughs> <laughs> 
So that that yeah. message that I sent you, Chris, had this had this yeah. aircraft in mind for you to meet in in yeah, Fullerton. Um, before mm-hmm. when I was looking at taking that trip to SoCal in the Archer, it was like three and a half, almost four hours. Uh, in the mm-hmm. Arrow, it becomes two and a half hours. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was thinking of you going, yeah, they're there in two hours. This makes this doable. I was just showing Franz your tweet. I was like, that's the guy who mentioned Fullerton, and you said Catalina, and you go, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm in. Yeah. Come yeah. get me, right? Yeah. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> Two grand in fuel later. <laughs> right. Well, I'd say uh, this has been a great episode, and uh, I think we could probably wrap this yeah. one up. Um, I, I know that i gotta, I got to get going here pretty soon, but uh, this was really, really good stuff. Cool. Well, we'll uh, hit up your uh, your uh, flight that you did and um, and uh, get that on the next episode. Absolutely. Then, yeah, it doesn't look like I'll have any flying next episode yet, but uh, um, uh, i got some stuff in the works, so we'll see what happens. Good deal. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, let's um, go ahead and move on and uh, hit up some shout outs real quick before we wrap okay. up. Who's got something? Um, I, I, I'll give a quick shout out to uh, Neil. Um, he just uh, he just did a uh, a seaplane flight down in Seattle. He had like what uh, 1.7 hours and did like seven landings or something in a in a in a seaplane and so i'm super jealous about that look like a lot of fun did i saw that on twitter i uh i i just saw the the post i landed a seaplane yeah right <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right yeah he uh he um looks like he had, he he's making the most of his time that's for sure he ain't got much time left and he's he's making the most out of it yeah definitely i um i i got i got one for uh mart on uh, air pigs um kind of went on a hiatus for a little while and um he recently found uh found a sponsor for um the air pigs blog and he's got that back up and he is posting away so um big shout out to him for for you know getting back in there and getting back on it uh it's uh, he's got some good content coming out so i'm really glad to see him posting again good deal well, let's go ahead and uh, let everybody know where they can find us online. Let's uh, let's go ahead and start with our guest today. Um, I know you have a Twitter out there or something like that. So where, where can we, uh, you know, if we got any questions, any listeners have anything about uh, buying an airplane, uh, where, where can they uh, get a hold of you? Uh, sure. Yeah, it's at Franz Foreman AZ, which is at F-R-A-N-Z-F-O-R-M-A-N-A-Z is my Twitter handle. And yeah, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Like I said, limited knowledge there, but I'm, I'm at least, uh, I can be your cheerleader for you as you go through the process. <laughs> I, I'd love to be part of it for anybody who is, who is actively in that process or about to start it or anybody who is doing anything up in the, if any of their aircraft are up in the billings area that they're considering, I can, I uh, definitely, you know, turn you on to who, who I used up there and the experience I had to be more than happy to. Yeah, and if you want to look at really nice cars, I see there's a lot of uh, pictures of those on there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do, I do. I post a lot of my business stuff on there too, so you, you'll you'll get barraged with that stuff too if you don't mind. <laughs> what, what what's your website? Uh, FM Sports Cars, like Foxtrot Mike Sports mm-hmm. Franz is the uh, the Arizona or Southwest dealer. For yeah, us. Southwest dealer for the Ariel Adam. So, like I said, I like to go fast and. <laughs> The Ariel Adam, if uh, 
if you're not familiar with it, it's like a little open wheel race car, and it's I mean it's as much fun as you can have with four wheels for sure. It's, it's a blast. <laughs> like a street legal F uh, Formula F one car. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I saw that on Top Gear once, and I was like, man, this thing is awesome. <laughs> they actually Top Gear USA had one of Franz's cars. Yeah, I saw oh, that on the on the tweet post. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Well, uh, well, Chris, let's uh, go on. Where can uh, where can we find you? Yeah, you can uh, shoot me an email over at chris at inthepatternpodcast.com or on the Twitter machine at cholubaz, that's C-H-O-L-U-B-A-Z. And uh, it goes, uh, that's the same for my uh, YouTube account as well if you want to check out the video, cholubaz. All right, and Mark, how about you? Uh, yeah, you can find me at mark at inthepatternpodcast.com or uh, studentpilotmark on uh, the Twitter machine. Awesome, and uh, you can find me, John, in the patternpodcast.com. I'm uh, on Twitter at Pilot Conway, also on app.net at Pilot Conway, and I'm on Facebook at uh, John L. Conway IV. And for all of us, the entire podcast, you can reach us all at podcast at in the patternpodcast.com. We're on Twitter is in the pattern, or you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash in the pattern podcast. Um, show notes for this episode and other episodes can be found on our website at in the pattern podcast.com. And also, if you'd like any updates on new episodes, you can go to our homepage and uh, join our mailing list on the right side. And uh, we'll only use your information just for uh, new episode updates. Um, so go ahead and send us any suggestions, comments, critiques. Uh, we love to get feedback from you. And uh, if you can, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, that'll really help us out. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up episode 41 of the In the Pattern podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening. Remember, make left traffic. You're cleared for the option. and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The voices in your head.